0: I want to start out with Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. This is actually a prophetic declaration in in the book of Isaiah that Jesus actually reiterated in the New Testament. But it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and and to, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting, somebody say planting, Amen. planting of the Lord to display His glory. So we started on this series a few weeks back, uh, entitled uh, Rooted. And roots are important. And I was uh, reminded of the amazing story of of redwood trees. I love redwood trees. Sequoias are actually a subspecies of the redwood tree, or the redwood trees are subspecies of sequoia. But they all kind of have the same thing in common. They actually grow together in what they call communities or tribes. And the root systems, a redwood tree, its root system can be 150 feet wide, And the the reason that they're able to withstand storms and fire and wind and all that is because they're intertwined. Actually, the root systems will share nutrients together. Is that crazy? They'll share nutrients together. And what's really interesting to me is that there's been some like modern business models that are actually inspired by how redwoods and sequoias are connected together. Together, Isn't that amazing? Pretty crazy nature. Illustrating to mankind how to work together well. Isn't that cool? Well, here's the thing. Here's a sobering thought. Redwood trees do not survive alone. They can't. It's not, it's, it's not how God made them. You and I were created for community. We're created to be rooted. We're created to be planted. We're created not to be independent. We're not... Created to be codependent, we're created to be interdependent. I need you, you need me. we need each other and that's rooted and and and, and, and I want this morning I want to talk to you about being rooted. I want to talk to you about uh, uh, being rooted in the temple in, in, in church. I call it temple talk if're you're, if you're taking notes uh, the importance of being rooted in the local church. I'm a local church guy. I, I, my, my life has been absolutely changed by being in a good, healthy, strong local church. I wasn't raised up in a healthy atmosphere. I was raised up in a broken atmosphere. I was, I was raised up where promises were broken, where covenants were broken, commitments were broken, where abuse happened. And then I learned, I learned, um, I learned how to actually be uh, you know, a father, a good father, in a local church with with spiritual uh, men around me, I learned how to be a, a better husband, a good husband because of the, the the influence of the local church. I was I was I was brought up in a you know in, in a healthier way because I was planted. The following, I want to read from you is from Dr. Frank DiMaggio. We just attended a conference a, a couple weeks ago, our team did, and he wrote down these 14 thesis for the church today. I wanna to read these to you. Number one, church, you are here to stay. You will never be shut down, never be removed. Church, you will and have outlived all of your critics. Church, you are a forever family, a place to laugh, cry, do life together. Church, you are the greatest force on the earth. You are the greatest force on the earth. The gates of hell cannot prevail. Church, you're the most generous of all institutions for the world. Church, you've been the creator of colleges like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Boston, Oberlin. Church, you have led the way in modern hospitals. Mercy, pain led to establishing hundreds of hospitals and clinics. Church, you've inspired art and music. Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, Handel, outstanding masterpiece, Handel's Messiah, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo, Shakespeare, Milton. Church, you are faithful. You are filled with prayer and praise. Church, you preach the living Word of God. Church provides a localized presence of God. Play something special about gathering. Church, you're helping people every day to heal brokenness, restore marriages, Give people the good news of the gospel. Church maximizes the effectiveness of people's lives. Encourages in their calling, calling their mission makes people more successful in life. That's who you are. You are the church. First Corinthians twelve eighteen. It says, but now God has set the members, each one of them into the body, just as He pleased. And then First Peter, I'm going to read a lot of Scripture this morning. So in case you're behind on your devotions, I'm going to catch you up. Amen? It's all good. First Peter 2, 4-5, As you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. You know, last week we talked about how we were we were transferred from this domain of darkness into the kingdom of his light and and it's to me it's like it's like and, and the Bible says that God sets each member of the body uh, as he wills, and so it's like it's like you and I basically coming out of that old system, that old darkness, that old sin, that old way of life frame of thinking, and basically coming into this to this new kingdom because of Jesus and now instead of being this individual thing where we're we're kind of trying to do our own thing because how many of you realize we kind of like our own brick it's my brick right it's my kingdom but it's not when we come into his kingdom it's about him and then he begins to set us into place and you know the cool thing here's what God does this is great Johnny would you come up here just just up here for a second this is a cool thing. You, we open our heart to Jesus. we ask him to come in. something actually transpires within, and then basically, you know, we see baptism as they say, "I want you to baptize that brick, bro." That's what we're doing right there. Amen. Boom, New life, right? Come on, someone. Hey hey, you know what's really cool? It actually is wet and it looks different. I mean something happens. It's not an outward thing, but it's an inward thing that begins to actually change the outward thing. It's pretty cool, man. I love that right now. There's nothing like a nice shiny brick. What are you doing here, bro? Oh, do I need a towel? No, I'm good. I think I'm good. I love this guy. He's taking care of me right now. Okay, cool. This is awesome. Now, I thought you were going to grab a towel because I preached in Africa a number of times. And if they like the way they're preaching, they'll basically start waving a towel at you or they're hanky at you. So I thought you were going there, bro. Seriously. No, 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 no. That's okay. But if it gets good, bro, just start waving it, okay? I mean, yeah, there you go. It makes me feel like I'm back in Africa. Right on. But we become the temple. and And this is really cool because the amazing... Uh, I said this last week. It's, it's, it's like you know we come out of that old system and that old man and we're born again and then we're built again. We're not only born again, but we're built again. And then God begins to do something that's absolutely a masterpiece with us. And He calls it the church. And this is the assembly. This is actually the embassy. This is the place where, where people are built together in an amazing way. And, it, and, and, and then we call this the temple. This is the new temple. Man, I'm doing so good. I was terrible about this the first service. You guys are all lucky because I I got a lot better at building. Woo! <laughs> if you're a guest here, we just have fun. It's it's good. You're going to need to have fun because this is going to get really serious. I'm I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to get serious. This is good. So as a believer. You've not only been delivered and transferred from the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, but now you're delivered into His kingdom, and then you're built into this embassy, and then you are an ambassador. This is really important because that's your assignment. Second Corinthians 5.20 says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. Isn't that really crazy when we look at ourselves and that God would take somebody that looks like me and say, I want to make my appeal through you to a broken world. And I'm like, it humbles me. It just like, are you kidding? God, you don't know what I've done. You don't You don't know my past. You don't know the dark stuff. You don't know the sin. You don't know the brokenness. And yet, you choose to take me out of that old dominion into this new dominion. And you baptize me in your spirit and with water. And you set me into an embassy. I become an ambassador. And you make an appeal through me. And He makes an appeal through you. There are people around you that God is saying, hey, if you will allow me, I want to make an appeal to them through you. And it's a wonderful, it's an amazing assignment. It's like you've been given the promotion of promotions. It's like you have been upgraded instead of downgraded. It's like you are being built up. Have you ever been on a flight and got promoted, upgraded to first class? I don't like you. (laughs) I always like, I hear these talks about, you know, these these faith talks. It's like, I just go in and I get upgraded all the time. Like, bro, would you just touch me? Because I'm six foot five, and when I sit in one of these airplane seats, basically it feels like Superman in a phone booth. And then certainly the person in front of you does the full layback, right? And you just want to like touch them in Jesus' name. But you can't. (laughs) Because you realize, okay, you know, there's probably whatever. I can't do that. I'm a pastor. We So we are an embassy collectively. And ambassadors singularly. And the problem arises when we decide we don't want to be part of the embassy. I just want to take my brick. And I just want to do whatever I want to do. Your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. Well, wait, you can't pray that. Because actually, this is His kingdom come. This is His will be done. It's not a bunch of individual bricks doing their own thing because that's basically you walking in your own kingdom again. You, that's you actually deciding what's better for you than what God has decided is better for you. God has designed us to operate, to live, to thrive. As well as the Word of the Lord gives us clear instruction on how that's supposed to happen. In Hebrews 10, 19-25, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, somebody say holy, by the new and living way which He opened for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And this is, I want you to listen with your good ear right here. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is really important because God's the one that's designed how we operate the best. And it gets back to like like that word the word assembling there in the Greek is epis which suggests an official meeting which is planned, purposeful, habitual for for our good and for others. It gets back to the instruction of the word and recognition that we would rather actually fit, try to fit kingdom things into our calendar than actually fit our calendar into kingdom things. I'm just going to be straight up with you this morning. You're not created to live in isolation. You're created to live in community. And especially this is, you know, there's there's times I'll hear believers, uh, you know, say, well, you know, well, we're in the last days and it's getting shorter. Yes, that means you actually should be meeting and gathering more, but I see you actually doing it less. Wow. Wow. So we're to stir up good works. We're to exhort each other. We're to build each other up. We're to love one another. And assembling together is actually part of divine protection as well. It keeps us from being separated. It keeps us from being picked off. Hebrews 3.13 it says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know what happens is that when I am, when I'm gathering and I'm doing it as a, as a good habit, how many of you recognize there's really good habits and there's really bad habits, but everybody's got habits. When I'm doing this, it actually there's something that actually softens my heart on a regular basis. I'm in the presence of God. I'm, I'm gathering together. I can I I you know I'm I'm with people. But when I'm isolated, I get a lot harder because I'm being inundated with, with, with just different things from from that old culture. Discouragement, depression, and doubt can set in and multiply. When you are isolated, that's the listen. Isolation is a breeding ground for discouragement, depression, and doubt. It's fertile soil. Ecclesiastes 4 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not easily broken. I've seen more Believers waylaid by isolation, by the enemy in isolation than in assembly. We were created for each other and we need roots in our community and they need to be intertwined and they will help you to stand, to stay, to be firm, to, when you're faithful and it's, it's an amazing thing. I want to talk about, you guys all with me? First, first service got really, really quiet. But I want to talk about the sacred things there's the sacred things we don't talk about the sacred things very much in church and i want to challenge us this challenged me i actually had to really kind of like oh lord i'm preaching to the choir here and the choir was my heart but i want to talk about the sacred things have you ever had like in your family certain chores that only you do or certain chores that only your wife does Like for me, I wash the car. That's it. For her, I can never clean the way she cleans. I will clean and then she will do like backup after me. I'm like, what, you don't like the way I clean? Like, no. I mean, there's just certain stuff you do, right? And there's certain things that God has actually reserved for Himself. That he would call sacred to, to, to himself. How many of you recognize God has rights? Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, God's got his own stuff. How many of you are particular about stuff? You got a few things or that you're super particular about, right? Okay. I'm particular about this. God is particular about some things. I want to talk to you about the sacred things of God this morning. We see in the Old Testament, for example, the Ark of the Covenant, which is the, represented the presence of God and they were actually moving the Ark of the Covenant, and Uzzah reached out his hand to touch it, because the ox that was carrying the Ark had stumbled. And as soon as he touched the Ark of the Covenant, bam, he was toast. Like, bro, God, that was like really rough. Right? Or you see in, in, uh, in, in King Saul, where King Saul was appointed... And he was blessed and then he got super impatient. The priests were the ones that were supposed to do the sacrifice and, and they were going to go into battle and Saul decided, man, these guys are not showing up on time. So he decided that he would do what the priests were supposed to do. And he touched something that was sacred. And God actually took the kingdom away from him that day. That's how serious God is. It's like, ooh, that's like, ooh. I thought we were going to talk about just warm, fuzzy Jesus all the time. I'm going to talk to you about the holiness and the sacred part of God. And then you look in the the New Testament and you see Ananias and Sapphira come in and they give an offering. But what they did was they lied to the Holy Spirit. And God killed them. Like, oh, wait a minute. I thought this was like only Old Testament stuff. No. Actually, the sacred things of God. We actually see... Uh, Paul write to the church in Corinth, just hang with me, hang with me. I didn't know this guy was like a turn or burn guy on the corner, you know. I came here to have a good word and feel good about myself and then, you know, go watch football or whatever. But look at First 1 Corinthians 11.28. This is Paul. He says, let a person examine himself and so eat the bread and drink of the cup. He's talking about communion. You know, we do communion about once a month. And then he says this, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. Wow, that's sacred. Wait a minute, I thought we were into the New new Covenant, New Testament grace. Yeah, we are, but there's still sacred things to God. He goes on to say, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ... You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. He says it again. So basically, all three of these, or all four of these instances, were just people that actually rushed in and touched something without honoring the sacred things that God has set aside for Himself. So now I want to shift because I want you to recognize some other things this morning. See, the sacred thing in the heart of God is also regarding the church. The church is in God's heart. It's Jesus that I will build My church. The embassy, if you will, of which you and I are ambassadors. We're, we're living stones and we're ambassadors. Look in Ephesians 5.29-30. It says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the Church, because we're members of his body. And then in Ephesians 5 32, he says, This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. You and I are the new temple, we are the church collectively, and God actually considers it sacred. This is why we, this is a tough one. I told Robbie, I said, You need to pray for me because I think I'm going to probably hit some people right in the mouth this morning because it hit me it hit me and if not it's going to hit the devil right in the mouth okay first corinthians 3:16 now paul says do you not know that you are god's temple and that god's spirit dwells in you okay so there's the temple and now here's the new temple and so you and I we have become the temple this amazing purposeful embassy of sorts that's sacred to god now let me let me show you a beautiful picture of the temple in the old testament Second Corinthians 7, 1-3, they had built this beautiful temple that had been on the heart of David, but God said, "Now you're a man of blood, but I'm going to have your son build it. And so they, they, built this, they built this temple. It says, as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Somebody say fire. fire. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces on the ground, on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good for His steadfast love endures forever." Do you realize that the only other place in Scripture where fire came down from heaven on the temple was in Acts chapter 2 when the early church was gathered in the upper room and the fire of God came on them. What a beautiful picture. Isn't that crazy? And in both instances, God's people had gathered together and God did something. Now here's the, here's the caution. Here's the warning. Here's the warning. We've lost the sacred of the church. We've treated it with an add on thing to our life, like a diet or a gym membership, instead of the most important thing that Jesus is building. We've become critical, and to the extent because it's been an imperfect church, it's filled with people that are messy, that are broken, they're missing teeth. You know, their breath is bad. I mean, they walk with a limp. They can be mean. I'm serious. This is, this is like it's, there's nobody in, 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 this, in, the, in the church that's pure as the driven snow. And so because of that, we get familiar and we get jaded and we get hurt. And sometimes, you know what the church has even done with people is they basically just drop them. We've dropped people. We've let people go through the cracks. we've not walked with people when they, when they basically are you know suffering, and, and we've been maybe insensitive, and sometimes we've just been rude. Well, if you just add a little bit more faith or whatever, shot up. We just haven't been the nicest people all the time, but it's still God's church. This is the temple, and we've lost the sacred. Francis Chan writes this in letters to the church, I can't help but see our own lameness in failing to see the beauty in God's design for the church. Heavenly beings are shocked by God's church while many on earth yawn. See, this church is being built in a beautiful way with imperfect people, messy people, the main people. And sometimes we end up losing the sacred. And the problem is we forget that Jesus is building His church and Jesus considers it sacred. I want you to really hear this. Because it will change the way that you interact. It will change the way that you see the church. 1 Corinthians 3.17 Paul writes, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple... His holy, and you are the temple. I don't know about you, but that puts the fear of God in me. It really does. I'm like, oh God, I want to be so careful with people. Because it's so easy to just like lose the sacred. We'd have never thought about tearing down God's temple in the Old Testament. Right? Where the presence of God abides. Can you imagine the reverence that people felt after Uzzah was killed after just touching the ark? But we have no compunction at times about tearing down the temple of God in the New Testament. And the Bible says that we are that temple. We're the temple. You're the temple. If I tear you down, I'm tearing down the temple of God. It doesn't mean that there's not accountability. It doesn't mean that there's not direction and structure. And sometimes we have to call people to account. That's not tearing people down. That's actually that's how it's a good family stuff. If you have a good family, you have good, you know, there's discipline and there's accountability and all that. If you, if you don't have that in your family, you got, you got probably hell on earth right in your own home. But how do you tear down the temple? First of all, you tear down the temple by speaking evil. It says this in Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. We can't be speaking evil of people. The second thing that we do to tear down the temple is criticism. We are a critical culture. It's an art in our culture. People make really big money by just being critics. He's an art critic. Right? He's a music critic. I'm like, wow, we get paid for being critical. That's really cool. So we have to, we have to understand this is that, is that a, a nation and a church full of armchair quarterbacks it's easy to pick things apart from a distance. But it's time to get in the game. If you're in the game, you're much less critical because you got skin in the game and there's flesh and blood and you're working with people. But if you're if you're critical or you're divisive or you're speaking evil, all you're doing is you're just taking people and you're just kicking them around the block. And that's not God. Because there's a pretty dire warning, man. I need to this is precious. This is precious. It may not look much to you, but this is precious in the sight of the Lord. And we need to be about building people. I'm so sorry. Division. Titus 3.10 says, As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once, then twice, then have nothing to do with him. On my word, why? Because... Division is, tears down the temple. Gossip. Do you know that gossip is the most tolerated sin in the church? We may not tolerate this or tolerate that. That's bad. But I mean, gossip is like, hey bro, have you kind of heard? Do you know what's going on there? That's That's gossip. Proverbs 11.13 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps a thing covered. Proverbs 20.19 says, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, but therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, Besides that, they learn to be idlers. Going from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. Can I just remind you something? Paul was writing this letter to a church. He wasn't writing it to the world. He's saying, there's a way as a tribe, as a community, as a family... That we have to walk and that walk is not tearing things down. But it's actually, we need to be so good at building things up. We need to get back to the point where we realize our focus has got to be building because that's what Jesus is building. Or how about this? This is what I had to really repent of. Do you want to know what your pastor had to repent of? Grumbling. Well, grumbling is like, I don't know, kind of a modified Being critical, right? But it's not like bad until you read James chapter 5 when he says, Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I'm like, Oh, God, please forgive me. Because I haven't gossiped, but "Mm, I think that's really close to grumbling, rumbling, stumbling, bumbling, causing somebody to do some tumbling. You know, I mean, our words are so important. James said, man, you can light a fire with your words. You can destroy relationships with your words. God spoke the word and creation came. God spoke the word and life began. We have life in our words. And the Bible says from the heart man speaks out of the abundance of the heart man speaks God help us to speak life every time that we gossip speak evil of grumble at the bricks the living stones that God has set in a place we're guilty of destroying the temple of God my neighbors on both sides of me have a heart to build plant stuff, edify and beautify I mean I go by their house I'm like, hey, that is really cool but what kind of relationship would I have if I basically was always criticizing the architect what kind of relationship would I have with God if I'm constantly criticizing the masterpiece that he made you you were created in the image of God and if I go around tearing that image down what kind of a relationship do you think I'm gonna have with the architect With the author with the finisher with the maker i'm like god please forgive me we're called to beautify we're called to edify we're called to encourage we're called to direct people towards wholeness and holiness and it's too easy to lose the sacred things in god's heart in god's kingdom the church is beautiful she's beautiful she makes a difference she's washed by the words of jesus She's infused by the the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is working in her and through her despite our flaws. She's a place of hope. She's a place of family. She's a place of refuge. It's a place of community. It's a place for the broken to heal and the fulfilled purposes to happen. It's a place where God puts the solitary into family. It's a place where fire from heaven comes and fills God's people. It's a place where the sinner becomes the same. It's a place where hell is no longer reality for your future. It's a, place, it's a group of people that God moves the earth through. It's challenging. It's changing. It's difficult. And it's beautiful. All in one. I love this. Francis Chan wrote this and it resonated. He said, gathering with the church should lead us to holy ground. You get to come and worship someone else with someone else. And I'm like, wow, that is so cool. This is, a, this is an amazing thing. You know, think about this. Think about it just for a minute. How many of you have been to a wedding recently? I've been to more weddings in the last three or four months i mean people are just getting married it's pretty cool i love it ephesians 5 talks about marriage how that's between jesus and the church but here's the thing that i've noticed is that all the trappings of wedding everything's set up and and people are there and they're they're watching and they watch when the grooms groomsman comes and they watch when the, the groom comes in they watch when the they watch when the you know the 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 bridesmaids come in, but when the bride comes in, it changes everything. I've I've stood, I've officiated weddings, and I've stood right beside a groom where he's just like he's looking at me because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to see the he doesn't want to see the bride. But I've I've seen it that when she comes and she makes an entrance, it turns his head. I've seen guys almost collapse beside me looking at the beauty having the breath taken away by the beauty of the bride that's what Jesus is doing he's the groom we are the bride this is amazing you are beautiful you are called you are faithful and Jesus wants to build and beautify and worship people that will cause the attention of the world to turn. Never been at a wedding where I mean it's just amazing. It's just amazing how you have to take the dress and the trappings and everything that comes in the And the bride sets, and I've never been in a position where I felt like ah, oh, I don't really like that dress. She's got some spots. I think she should have done her hair a little bit different. I think maybe she should walk a little faster. There's nobody that's critical of the bride, right? So why are we critical of the bride? Why why are we critical of what Jesus is building? Heaven is astounded because Jesus is building the church. You were created for roots were created for community you were created to be part of something that will change the world and the church is the entry point the portal if you will of the kingdom of god i just want to challenge us i want to challenge me to be part of building up and not tearing down Let's build up. Let's raise up. Let's lift up. Let's edify. Let's be a place that makes the community turn its head because they see the love, the grace, the power, the hope, the gospel, the joy, the peace of the church. That's what it's all about. I mean, when they see something that's so different. Because what happens is, is you'll take this old dominion and this old system, and what it ends up doing is it ends up just dumping people out that are broken. And then our job is to actually say, hey, hey, I got hope for you. This is the gospel. The gospel is you can be mended back together. And you can be filled and you can be washed and you can be put in place this is the church this is the bride this is what Jesus loves and can I just say this you are beautiful it's why I love shepherding, it's why I love pastoring does that mean that people don't sometimes get on my nerves, yeah sometimes you just got on the last nerve I had because it's difficult Building it, and you are part of something that God wants to display you. He wants to display you. He loves you. I want to pray for just a moment. You might be here this morning, and and you felt, man, I felt the presence of God in worship, and man, I just felt something in baptism, and maybe you know about Jesus, but you've never taken the step to open up the door of your heart, and say Jesus. I want to profess and confess you as Lord and Savior today. And if that's you this morning, and you're saying today, I want to make that declaration. For out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks, a man confesses. And if it's your confession today, I know I need a Savior. I need some. I, I know that I've sinned, and and I need this Jesus. He's knocking at the door of my heart. I'm opening it up. He's coming in. If that's you. We do this in community. I want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, today I want to agree with you. I'm going to agree with you. If that's you this morning, you've never given your heart to this Jesus, but you're saying, today I do, I see that. Thank you. Can we just, can we just put our hands together and rejoice? Anybody else this morning, you're just saying, today I want my confession to be... I become a believer. I become a follower of Jesus. Anybody else? If you're online, there's a there's a place you can uh, link. You can click on. You know, I just had this thought too. The cool thing about the bride of Jesus, about the church. You know what the cool thing is? None of them look alike. There's big ones. There's small ones. There's older ones. There's new ones. But it's amazing what God is doing through the church. If, if I can really encourage you, stop talking smack about the church. The Word of God actually brings a lot of fear in me for doing that. Don't grumble. Don't criticize. It doesn't Now hear me, church. It's not about not being accountable there is accountability it's like hey let's talk about some things because this is this is not how we are as a family okay this is not about that Paul wrote a lot of letters when he talked about your behavior put off the old stuff and put on the new stuff but man sometimes we just get so caught up in the spirit of the world that we are demeaning the very thing that Jesus is building here's what I'd like you to do you may not be super comfortable with it but I want you to turn somebody and say you are a beautiful bride you are a beautiful bride you are a beautiful bride you are the church you are full of hope you are full of there's mystery man there is but you are you're full of hope you're full of there's a future ahead of you come on this is amazing I see a whole bunch of guys right now that got really uncomfortable, (laughs) like, I don't know about that. Well, get over it, because that's the Bible. Hey, can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning?